Thanks for listening to the Wayback Chronicles podcast. Uh, my name is Noel Kurse. I'm here with Keith Abbott, Steve McKelkey. In this podcast, we talk about the greatest events that have happened since the 1970s to the present. And if you recall, the Wayback Time Machine chose the year 1992 as the year we were to visit next. And in this episode, uh, Keith is going to be bringing you the greatest of technology from 1992. So Keith, I know you got some great stuff on tap. So I thought it'd be kind of fun to do something different and go back to some of the technology that was available in 1992 as far as hardware, sound cards, and some of the ability to record. And so over the next podcast, what I'm going to try to do is record this session as it would sound using the tools of 1992. So here we go in three, two, one. Walk us through the technology advancements. Sure will. It's really fun to see because we've covered the 88 technology, we've covered the 95 technology, and now we're bridging the gap with 92. Mm-hmm. And it was it was fun to research because really it's amazing. This is the time where things are starting to explode, and there's starting to be so many things out there that they're having to come up with standards of care and all those sort of things to make sure things are going to work right. So this was a really fun year. There were some neat things introduced that are commonplace now. Hard to believe they were never there before. So I'm, I've got some dates that we'll go through in order. Some are just neat uh, events and sayings that happened in certain times. So let's get into it. And, and the first thing that happened was, and we talked about the ousting of Steve Jobs um, last technology in, in 1988. And John Scully was the CEO for Apple uh, during 1992. And he became obsessed with portable devices uh, for Apple to kind of take them into a different um, direction from the Mac. It was they were trying to get rid of the Mac and all of that. I guess they were jealous of what Steve was doing. So anyway, he was the first person on January seventh at the Computer Consumer Electronics Show to introduce the term PDA, and it was a PDA mm-hmm. that Apple introduced. Do you all recall the name of the first PDA that Apple came out with? Hmm. hmm. It was uh, called the Apple Newton. Yes, it was. Yeah. Oh, okay. so I thought it was very, very clever to have the name Newton after an Apple. Pretty yep. cool. But it was a bomb by all considerable circumstances. It was a, a neat idea that wasn't ready quite yet, you know. And so <laughs> but that was the first term we talked about PDA, I believe, in the 95 technology with yep. some of the different ones that were out. But that was the first time it was coined and the product that it was coined by. I'm looking at the Apple Newton. I mean, it looks very similar to the Palm Pilot and shape, size, screen. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, you know, Palm Pilot took off in 95, so. Yeah. Just one of those systems that really wasn't ready for its time. You know, like the, yeah. market, the market has got to be able to understand what the product is mm-hmm. and how it can be used and how it can be used to better their lives and stuff like that. Otherwise, they look at it and they're like, I have no idea what the heck I'm supposed to do with this thing. You know, and right. they just don't, don't even engage it because they, you know, it's just not the obviously the market didn't adopt it because it just wasn't it's was kind of ahead of its time but yeah yeah, yeah. so i remember about was it mp was it mp4 or mp3 that came first but uh three uh so like you know when the mp3 players came out um you know that, that was like mid 90s i think and so like people don't understand well why do i need this and and uh and so i remember working at office depot at the time we we started selling all these and sold these different speakers and they didn't sell. They just sat there with a dust them. And uh, <laughs> then, you know, they went away and then gosh, 10 years later, then they started to take off. But uh, mm-hmm. of course with the uh, Apple iPod, whatever it's called. Yep. 
So yeah, yeah. iPod and just and Napster music sharing and all that. Um, all of that stuff is really where that let's, let's save these things. I don't need to have a booklet of CDs anymore, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. uh, and yeah, so there was, there were some pros and cons with that, obviously with piracy and all that kind of stuff. But I think that that was really where file sharing started getting popular and Hey, I yeah. need to save these, you know? So yeah. pretty wild, but yep. Yeah. Like you say, not ready for prime time. That's all it yeah, was, absolutely. But, but an idea that somebody shoved in the back of their head and saying, okay, someday we're going to, we're going to use this tool and enhance it and make it better. Pretty wild. Yep. Hmm. And not to be outdone by Apple, um, April 6th, I think is a pretty significant time because this was when Microsoft introduced Windows 3.1. So we talked about MS-DOS, Noel, you -hmm. had mentioned that it was nothing to write home about, if you remember Mm -hmm. in the technology of 1988. So this was uh, the first actual Windows mouse-based, really solid platform. There were some others, there was a 3.0, but this was the one that really rolled it into mainstream. And -hmm. there were a couple of reasons for that. And the first reason was really to have the ability to um, give this out in mass. So this was actually the first software that that was introduced that was able to be distributed on CD-ROM for a, Hmm. for an operating system. So that was kind of neat. Did you all have 3.1 or which one do you remember going back on your computers? Yeah. I remember remember (laughs) 3.1 way back in the day. (laughs) An interesting factoid about 3.1 was the first year that uh, this is the first time that screen severs were ever introduced to an operating system. So it's kind of, kind of an interesting little thing that they added in there for the first time ever screensavers made a, made an entrance into the yeah. world. Was that the, uh, was that the bouncing windows logo? Yes, was it there? was. Yes, it was. And, and yeah, it's funny. <laughs> Adobe, Adobe also, it was really mostly working with, um, Apple at the time. Mm-hmm. And this was the first time they introduced um, type manager. So Adobe type manager introduced things that we deal with all the time. Arial font, Courier New and Times New Roman was introduced in this time. (laughs) So crazy, crazy. And also you talked about Microsoft Bob, if you remember, Steve. Yeah. yeah. Right. So it was actually supposed to be introduced in 3.1, but they didn't have it completely ready yet. So it wasn't introduced till 95 during your your year. So that you talked about. And then also Steve's favorite game ever was introduced in Windows 3.1. And he posted this on our Facebook page. And that was the game Minesweeper. So Minesweeper was also a part of this, along with Solitaire, that was part of the 3.1 package. So we all know how much we love that game. And, and I don't think to this day any of us know how to play it. Yeah, so. I don't think I ever played that game more than two minutes at a time. But, you know, I don't even know if I ever achieved success with that game. But um, yeah. I think I, I did until I played and finished one, and I'm like, okay, I don't have to ever play this again. No, you were saying something. Sorry. I remember, I remember playing Solitaire on my uh, old old computer, and like you know, when you finish the game of Solitaire, the ca- the cards come cascading out, you know, into the yes. different four stacks or whatever. And I remember watching how slow those cards would like bounce across the screen. <laughs> and then I remember playing that on on a friend, actually on Linda's computer. Um, she had a, a much faster processor than, than my old computer because I finished that and the cards went shooting across the screen. I'm like, what the heck was that? Like, <laughs> just shows the difference. Yeah, the difference in speed of processor. But um, yeah, even yeah. back then, power was king. Yeah, yeah, know, that's right. Yeah. Pretty wild. Yeah, that was a good one. And also in, in November of that year, they, they did some enhancements to 3.1 uh, to try to compete with Apple's QuickTime. 
Uh, mm-hmm. Windows all introduced the Windows uh, video, Windows for video or video for Windows is what it was called. So mm-hmm. trying to compete in the video front, which we all know to this day is responsible for all the TikTok that we have to deal with nowadays, but that's okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but anyway, good stuff. So yeah, so there was a lot going on between IBM, Apple and Microsoft, and you could start seeing a lot of things going going uh, you know back and forth between them. So we'll get to more of that in a little bit. Um, so this was an interesting one. So the, a, a group called the Joint Photographic Expert Group decided that they needed to create a set of rules. And these rules were what was going to be able to create images that could be shared in all of the different types of computers, whether it be Apple computers, whether it be Windows computers, whether it be Unix, Codec, any, whatever, you, not Codec, but Unix or mm-hmm. any of those systems. And so the Joint Photographic Expert Group, or JPEG, JPEG yeah. was completely formed at yeah. that point. So that started in 1992. I can't imagine the world <laughs> without JPEG files. Can yeah. you believe? That's wild. So and now, and now you know what JPEG actually stands for. So yeah, Joint Photographic Experts Group. Yeah, I, I had, had no, no idea. idea. Did you know that? No, you probably knew that. I did I not. Did, I did know that. Okay. Unfortunately, I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's just crazy. It's, it's funny to hear these things. You just figure like somebody came up with this and it's because of a color code or something. So it's really yeah. interesting to hear some of the names and how they come up huh. with these things. Yeah. So. Yep. You know, in that meeting, they were talking like, well, okay, well, we've established all these rules and standards by which um, the, you know, multimedia uh, pictures will be will be handled. And then the last thing, the last order of business, like, what the heck are we going to call this thing? We're like, let's just call it us. Yeah. J- JPEG. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There you Works go. Good. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I like it. There's it's a pompous. pompous. Yeah, really. <laughs> I didn't call it anything like, I don't know, picture, photo, or anything that actually makes sense, but JPEG, sure, why not? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And as a not more not more coincidental follow-up, Photoshop decided to be distributed not only from Apple, but to uh, Microsoft and Windows-based computers, too. So yep. images were happening back then. Yes, they so were. So that's a good thing. So, yeah, interesting interesting JPEG. So I, I learned something new while I was researching this. Just to kind of go back to the Windows uh, 3.1. So Windows 3.0, um, actually Windows was the first one of the... It's kind of over. It's kind of overlooked from all the other advancements that were introduced in, in Windows, but the file manager was probably the um, the most the the biggest advancement really in like computer technology because before like if you had DOS if you had to move a file from one file to another or from one folder to another or do anything like file manipulation or file movement on a computer you had to issue all sorts of commands and everything to make that happen. But in the file manager, all you had to do, like they'd introduce drag and drop. Like you could just take a group of files, copy paste it into another folder. And like it eliminated so many different commands that you had to like issue to DOS in order to make that file operation happen. So just just that one application, just the file manager itself was like mind Revolutionary. It really yeah. was. But anyway. Just Th- little, things that you take for granted every day, totally. you know. Totally I was afraid wild. Noel was going to bring up Gooey again. I was like, no, I know. I'm going to have to get a chocolate chip cookie after this. I'm like, I've got him in the oven. <laughs> <laughs> I'll drop that whenever, whenever the time is right. Just trust me. It's, it's the, the episode is young. Yes. Yeah, that's right. We've got time. Stay got tuned. Time. Yes. <laughs> so, speaking of graphical user interface, <laughs> in November, IBM, again, not trying to be outdone. In fact, this was the year that IBM decided to spin off 
uh, an organization called the IBM Personal Computer Company, which was dedicated solely to the development of personal computing devices. And so one of the, they came out with a bunch of different things. Uh, the, one of them was that they actually, in November of this year, created the first smartphone with a touchscreen. And it was being able to be used as a mobile phone or a PDA. And this was called Simon. So I had never heard of Simon. Have you all heard of Simon before? I had not. No, I hadn't either. So that was, that was interesting to me, something new. Um, and, and so I, I thought that was pretty interesting that they could, they could do that. Pretty you cool. Got, we have to drop an image of Simon into the, uh, Facebook uh, posts for this episode. Absolutely. It's, uh, I don't know. I mean, by today's standards, it's rudimentary, um, to say the least. Yes. Um, but back then, I mean, I imagine it's pretty, pretty, pretty incredible, you know, mobile device, um, as mobile devices were in 1992. Right. Yeah. Then still archaic by any means. And so, but pretty interesting to come up with that. So pretty wild. Did you see it, Steve? Yeah. Did you Google it? (laughs) It's wild to think about how far it's come. You know I I don't think I've ever seen this before. I hadn't either. I hadn't either. That was a new one to me. So pretty wild. So cool. um, yeah, yeah, pretty cool. So a couple of other things that, that were notable for uh, the, the t- technology of uh, 20 or I'm sorry, of 1992 is this was the first year that dial up Internet became mainstream. It was the first time that it was used. It was used between two companies, Pipex in the UK and Sprint in the US. <laughs> And so, in fact, before this, or at the time of the dial-up, only 2% of the U.S. population was even online on the internet. Wow. So hopefully kind of pushing things forward to be able to do that. So, and so now I got to, I kind of take a divergence. So Sprint, right? So do you know where Sprint's name came from? Hmm. Some people run into Indian telephones. I, <laughs> I think I think if they would rethink it, that's what it would be. So, so I got I got to call this out for my dad. So the Sprint was a company that was joint between a telephone company in uh, I think it was in Ohio. I can't remember exactly for sure. Maybe Kansas, but uh, yeah. anyway. So it was that company and the Southern Pacific Railroad. So the Southern Pacific Railroad at the time used a lot of telegraphy with lines that they ran along their railroad lines. And so it actually was the largest network of telephone telegraphs in the country. Hmm. And so they decided to merge and by using that decided to create bandwidth for telephones, long distance and the like. And so Sprint stands for Southern Pacific Railroad International Networking Telephony. How about so it that? Was, it was created by the Southern Pacific I, Railroad. Pretty wild. Never, huh? never knew that that was an acronym for something. Yeah. I just thought it was like like Steve suggested, like some. It just, I mean, it's speed. So that's kind of what I yeah. figured it was about. But yeah, but yeah. no, my, I remember my dad telling me about it, like when it was just getting formed, because he was he was an engineer for the Southern Pacific and building some of these lines. So yeah, Brown Telephone Company. Yeah, founded in 1899. Um, in the rural area of Kansas, it's called Kansas, Ab- yeah, Abilene, Kansas. Kansas. So interesting. Never so between that. the two of them. So yeah, in the original Sprint uh, logos, the SP is cursive and the rest is is bold. So you can see the Southern Pacific. And, huh. and so pretty cool. So yeah, anyway, I had to go on a divergent there just to call out to my dad. So that's awesome. Nice. Yeah. So fun, fun, but good. Interesting to do dial up. And again, we talked about this a couple episodes. I think I mentioned it. One of the sounds of our generation is the sound of dial up internet, you know? So a couple of other things that came out that I thought were interesting. Uh, Twain, Twain was a standard inf- interface for scanning equipment. And so it was a consortium consisting of reps from Eastman, Kodak, 
Hewlett Packard, Logitech, and Aldis. And so they created a standard for scanning and, and sending uh, files. And so if, you, if you're not sure, fax technology and scanning was actually the predominant form of electronic communication at the time. And, and again, in the 1995 episode is when we said that email started to be using. But because of imaging and all of that type of thing, fax technology was really king at the time of this uh, going on. So pretty interesting of, about all of that starting to come together. So a uh, couple of other things, speaking of trying to get email going, this was when um, MIME, the MIME format, the multi-purpose internet mail extension was, was defined and created. Uh, so this was basically allowing you to use extensions within e email. Uh, mm -hmm. Noel, you probably know more about this than I do. You want to expand on that at all? Nope. No. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still, I'm still stuck on Twain. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So pretty interesting that all of these, like I said, all of these standards. So like there's a lot of ideas going out there, but in order to make it useful, you've got to standardize. I, I kind of think of it like the Bitcoin and all this crypto of today. And there's so much out there. It's, it's You've got to have kind of a standard to move forward. And even Netflix or Netflix, not sorry, Netflix, but when we were talking about Netscape and Internet Explorer and all these, you know, you had to have a format that was going to be every, useful for everybody going forward. Of course, there's yeah. different products, but, you know, you've got to have something. And it, it's really funny to see how quickly these things are developing in this year and, um, and the things that they're trying to do to make that work. So pretty interesting. So, couple of other things that were going on. December 3rd was a really interesting time, kind of bridging yesterday to today. So the first SMS text message is sent. <laughs> so Neil Papworth, who is a 22-year-old engineer, used a personal computer to send a text message via Vodafone network to a phone, a phone of a colleague. <laughs> Can you guess what the first text message ever was? I'm going to guess. Watson, can you read this? <laughs> Not quite. It's around. I'll, it's it this. It's in December. Yeah, yeah. Noah's googling. He doesn't. He can't answer this. Merry Christmas. There you go. Hey, Merry there Christmas. you go. <laughs> <laughs> Noah takes a fun hour because he googles everything. My re the research department just slid me a note. That's yeah, pretty good, yeah. man. They're fat. Yeah. They're so on top of things. They, they really are. are. Boy, I'm so proud back. of them. Crack team of research professionals. Those guys. They are the girls. Jeez. All, all sorts. We don't, we don't discriminate here. So <laughs> that's interesting okay. though. Didn't yeah. Pretty, that. pretty crazy. So Merry Christmas is the first ever text message. Wow. Yep. Yep. So, um, so interesting. And I was talking a little bit about IBM and doing the thing. So uh, one of their launches, this was the year that their famous ThinkPads were introduced. Mm -hmm. So we talked about the price of, this is what, what research department needs to research this real quick while I'm introducing this. So we would need to know how much the ThinkPad was a price for in 1992. So we knew in, in your technology episode, Steve, of 1988, the most, oh no, it was yours, Noel, right? Mm -hmm. Which was the technology? Yeah, what was me. the, what yeah. was, oh, okay. What was the most expensive? It was the- It was 4,200 for the- $4,200. Yeah, yeah mm -hmm. so, so I'm curious to know what the IBM ThinkPads cost is. So if you can find that in 1992, research yeah. department, do well, your I'm, thing. They are doing their thing and hear the wheels spinning right now as they're- <laughs> running down the hallway with the answer in their hand. And so here it is. The, oh, hey, just man, they're been, out of wind, out of breath. Just, just been handed me this piece of paper from them. <laughs> the uh, When did they send a text? 
Because <laughs> <laughs> they're pretending it's 1992. They'd have to oh, send yeah, it by computer, yeah. you know. The yeah. original 1992 ThinkPad went for $4,350 in 1992. So wow. prices Four, really didn't come uh, down. It's a staggering $7,589 in today's money. So wow. that's... That's a lot of that's a lot of nickels, man. Yeah, I I really was. I'm surprised by that. I was curious if the price had gone down any from the first ones, but that mm-hmm. really kind of held it held, held the same amount, right? Yes, it did. I'm sure that like technologically had more memory and probably oh, I'm sure a lot more yeah. than four yeah. years prior. Yep. 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 It it was uh it, it actually an innovative track point pointing device and a, and a 10.4 inch color uh, thin film transistor to, transistor display. So definitely um, a lot more innovative than than what it was just a few years back. And that's what's mm-hmm. so crazy about this. The you know we the speed of technology is starting to fly already at this. I mean, you know, we can't keep up with it right now, but the speed of technology then is, it was already there. Yeah. Um, a couple of other things that were interesting breakthroughs. Um, the uh, ATM was, con- was now as of 1992 uh, universally commonplace in most countries. So huh. up until 1992, there were a few places you could use ATMs, but now worldwide, it became a thing to be able to get your money at your convenience and pay a surcharge, you know, yeah. I mean, can you imagine not being able to have that convenience? You just brought back a memory for me. I don't know what it was. I know it was before 92, but we lived in Victoria. So it was probably early eighties. And, uh, I remember the first ATM we ever went to was called a transact machine. A transact. Okay. It was actually a room. You walked in, it was air conditioned, but it was like in the middle of this parking lot. I was from Walmart in Victoria, Texas. And anyway, so to, have an ATM in Victoria was a big deal. And so the transact company, uh, as you had your first visit to the, uh, to the ATM, their transact machine, they would give you a scoop of mint chocolate chip ice cream. Oh, nice. I don't remember. I don't know why I remember this, but I still love mint chocolate chip. That's probably the first time I ever had it. I still love it to this day because of that transact <laughs> machine. <laughs> Steve has this unexplained hunger for ice cream when he goes to the ATM machine. Today. Gosh, so, why? I mean, why? everything reminds me of something with sugar in it. Hey, that's okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that makes the world go around, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah Walking to the car. Hey, ice cream sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> you know what this could use a dessert yeah yeah oh what that's hilarious that's, that's awesome. okay that's that's what that's what makes the world go around so so a couple three more things and and then we'll wrap this episode up so um the first um sun disc which then later on became sand disc mm-hmm. um created the first solid state drive in 1992 so they were looking for a way um to uh, create an alternative over the moving parts of the hard drives as the as the fourth as formerly done. So the first solid state drive was created, and then, and then two more things that I think are a lot of fun and and really relevant to the day. So in uh, in 1992, I believe it was in June, the first um, game with ray casting on May 5th. Excuse me, May 5th of 1992. Then the the, um, the first game using ray casting was Castle Wolfenstein 3D. And wow. this is a significant game because it was really the first game that was the first person shooter type game. Okay. And so I, I remember playing it and I remember playing the original Wolfenstein on my app. We, we talked about my Apple two C right in previous yeah. games. So I remember playing castle Wolfenstein on my Apple two C 
monochrome green and black monitor and it was a top-down look where you see this looked like the duck that was moving around the screen but it was a military soldier that was trying to escape this german fortress right and i always remember playing that game going how cool would that be to see <laughs> and 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 then they came out with this thing and i mean it revolutionized everything i mean you think from then doom came out um yeah. i mean you think about i mean we, we play call of duty we play Fortnite, we play all of these games now halos um you know these games that are all these first person shooter type games and it really originated in 1992 with the launch of castle wolfenstein 3d so it may not seem significant but it is it's a massively significant thing in the way people game today and it's fun there, there's some new uh, wolfenstein games that have come out in the last few years and there's an easter egg for this, but if you go in a certain place, you can play the original Wolfenstein game from 1992 inside the Xbox. It's kind of cool. Hmm. So a little, little Easter egg in there. So kind of fun there. Y'all remember? Y'all remember? The, y'all remember the game Gauntlet when you said? Oh, uh, I loved Gauntlet. <clears throat> yes. Warrior needs food badly. That, oh, that's that pretty one. good. <laughs> that that game. I, I don't know how many I've dumped a lot of quarters in that game. There was a uh, Mazio's Pizza in Waco, Texas. I used to. Man, you talk about memories, man. They had Spy Hunter and they had Gauntlet. Oh, oh my gosh, man. I, I don't remember eating anything. I just remember playing <laughs> video games. And they had, did, they had a Coke machine and you could go back and get like this cup. It was a Mazio's cup. You could yeah. go back. And as long as you had the cup, you could go into Mazio's and get Coke. Oh, that's awesome. And I mean, I'd go in there, grab some Dr. Pepper, have like a couple dollars and I'd play Gauntlet until I couldn't play anymore. Um, but oh man, warrior needs food badly. <laughs> I remember that. I love Spy Hunter. I, I laid down the oil slicks constantly. Oh, oh yeah, me too. Oh, I, I always felt so cool, oil slick, and then and then like turbo. You know, yeah, then, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then smoke screen oh, and the oh, smoke screen. <laughs> smoke oh, screen, man. That, I I don't know how many quarters I wore out with that game. Oh, oh my geez. gosh. Anyway, between that... between that and Dragon's Lair, I think I used the most quarters in those two games. Did y'all play Lair. Dragon's Lair? Oh, yes. Yeah. In the right. basement of, of uh, Baylor University at their student center way back in the days when I first saw that game. And I thought there's nothing cooler than Dragon's Lair. Like oh. it, nothing will ever be nothing will ever be more realistic. I mean, it mm-hmm. was it was like blew your mind. It looks like you're playing yeah, a cartoon. Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. But it's wild. Now. Now look at it. Yeah. So. I saw anyway. a game. Uh, uh, there's a YouTube video about the making of that game, and interestingly, they 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 drew it just like a cartoon, like mm-hmm. like frame by frame and everything. Yeah. That's just wild. Yeah, but yeah. like so realistic. I, I I remember watching that. I remember it was. I think it was the first game that you either had to pay like fifty cents or a dollar instead of just a quarter. Yes. And I was like, no problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I remember it, my, my aunt, when we go on vacation, she knew I love video games. And so I think I might've told this story in my interview thing, but um, San Diego, there was a place that we used to always go to vacation there. And that's where I discovered Dragon's Lair was at that mm-hmm. place. And my aunt would always send me with a roll of quarters because she knew I'd like to go find the cool video game places in, in California, wherever we were on vacation. And I remember I probably went through that roll of quarters in maybe 15 minutes on that game alone. <laughs> and it was like, came back and like, there was like the agony of defeat with the tail between my legs. Like I'm already out of quarters, dad. You know? <laughs> have, you, have you guys been to like a retro arcade? Like they've got retro arcades. Have you ever oh, been to one of those? I need to do that. I, I haven't. Steve? No. no. Oh my gosh. Find one. Uh, I'm sure Steve, there's probably one around you. I'm I, sure. I, Keith, I doubt there's one where you live, but. No, it's called the current arcade here. 
<laughs> but it is i there's one there's one in the woodlands and yeah you were talking about that one. Oh my That's gosh awesome. man you pay 10 bucks you can play all day and so what are some games in there that you can tra- recall? track and field is oh, there, there. You go. <laughs> and then of course like the <clears throat> excuse me while i die um galaga defender pole position i mean you name it oh, man. man they have all of it and um my older brother steve came down from uh, he, he came down sometime in the fall last year and, uh, I took him there and I mean, we, we, we had the best time man. and we didn't have enough time. We could have, we could have stayed there all day, but I think we only had like a couple hours, man. We, uh, it was, it's awesome. So if you ever, if you, if you really want to like, if you, if you have old games, you love to play, there's probably retro arcade somewhere around here because I've seen him in Austin um, you know, Houston, I know there's got to be, there's bound to be one in Dallas, Fort Worth area somewhere, oh, but I, I've seen find, several. It, yeah. find it and go it is so fun. Um, you talk I about the trip down memory lane, man. It is, it's awesome. So that's awesome. Little plug for that. the little plug for the, uh, the, the retro arcades, uh, these days. Pretty awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. Is it, is it like owned? Is it a corporate owned or is it locally no. owned? Okay. This one's locally owned. The one that won the Woodlands is, is locally owned. You and need I to would, get that person. You need to interview them. Totally. That would be awesome. I, I think it's a great idea. I, we, they are, um, I was really worried about them not making it through the pandemic, but they made mm. it. Um, yeah. but man, it was, yeah, I was, I was, I was worried of like, I thought about them during the pandemic. I'm like, man, nobody's going to go there. Nobody's yeah. going to go. Yeah. Touching everything. No way. Yeah. Jeez. But they Crazy. made it. That's awesome. So. so last two things. So the first one is going to be something that I will tee up. Who's doing movies? Not me. Either one of you. That'll be probably a mashup. Okay, yeah. mashup. So I'll I'll tee this up for the mashup. So because of the cost of the computer generated graphics, the movie of the year that everybody will remember was made for a hundred million. It was a record hundred million dollars to make this movie, which is the most movie money ever uh, create or spent on a movie at that time. And it was mostly due to the expense of con- computer generated special effects, such as image morphing throughout the film. So hmm. I'm going to tee that up. I'm not going to say what the movie is. Stay tuned to our mashup to know which movie in 1992 released was made for a hundred million dollars mostly due to the technology of the day and the expense of it. So I'll leave that there. Can we make a guess? Yeah, take a guess. I'm going to say Jurassic Park. Without Googling, Noel. I'm, I'm not Googling. Gonna, I'm going to okay. say Jurassic Park. Okay, close, but, I might but be premature. not quite. It was a little premature. Close, but not quite. But these were the movies that, like, this and Jurassic Park and all of those was actually what made George, Luke, George Lucas say, okay, it's time to make more Star Wars films. So this mm. was a precursor to that. Noel, do you have a guess? Mm, no. I Googled. I Googled, so no, okay. I don't, don't have a okay. guess. So are you saying, are you saying after, after this, you'll be back? Yes. Okay. So what's be. the, what's the movie? It would be, uh, that would be Terminator 2. Terminator 2, which I think is one of the coolest movies ever. It really Love is. That movie. It really is. I remember watching that movie just with my jaw on the floor, watching that Amazing. show. It was so freaking good. So the term, yep. ter- the first Terminator was good, but it was. I was like, I, Terminator 2 just blew it away. Like yeah. the the technology that they had back then, that was that was insane. Yeah, so. I don't I don't think there's one better. I think that's uh-huh. still the one that sets the stage for me. So totally. Did you see that one, Steve? I don't. I can't remember. You don't remember <laughs> it that? It doesn't one? Oh, stand man. out to me. So. Oh maybe, wow! Is it, yeah, honest. because that was also the one where um, they simulated. Is one of the, the speaking of Oppenheimer coming out right now? It's one of the top ten most. Um, 
realistic um, nuclear bomb uh, events in any movie. And so the way that they recreated a nuclear event in that flashback scene or a dream scene uh, mm -hmm. is, is always mentioned as one of the most realistic nuclear um, explosions uh, that a movie has made. So pretty interesting. That's so cool. pretty Cyberdyne. cool. Cyberdyne Industries. And kind of funny that it's uh, one of many films that criti critique civilization's fre frequent blind trust to AI and technology. Kind of yeah. relevant today, isn't it? Here we are. <laughs> yeah, here we are. Like I can't even imagine. So, and how do we do it? By surfing the internet. And that's the last thing I'm going to talk about in 1992, February. Computer scientist Mark McCahill coined the phrase surfing the internet. Hmm. And wow. so the rest is history. So hmm. that's my walk down. There is a ton more. You can get into the weeds in 1992 of supercomputers, all sorts of stuff. So I encourage you uh, to do so. Uh, Boston Dynamics was something that came out at that point, now owned by Google, but a lot of neat thing. That was a spinoff spin of, of uh, MIT Robotics, interestingly enough. So a lot yeah. of neat things in 1992. We could go on for years and years, but what I really wanted to do is highlight the I think what I thought were the top events and top things introduced in that year. And with that, I am back in the present. So what's next on the agenda? Who is up? Oh, no. Ah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Since that, I feel like somebody's shoved me in the back and pushed me forward. <laughs> yes, I'll go. Uh, <laughs> no, I'll be talking about the uh, 1992, the sports of 1992. So uh, a couple of interesting, I'll give you a little teaser here. So there was a particular rule change made um, that allowed professional sports uh, teams to, well, allowed players from professional sports teams to participate in the Olympics and that one rule change gave the world the greatest basketball team of all time. So awesome. I will talk about the dream team um, in the next episode to some in some depth because it was really something. So anyway, Super absolutely. Jealous. Little Super teaser. You get to talk about that. <laughs> no. Steve is like the one time I don't draw sports. <laughs> I've only had it once. <laughs> I know you need to cheat the system. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm a man of integrity. So. <laughs> I tell you what, I really loved your integrity of removing the politics from the drawing. Yeah, yeah. By the way, yeah, there's no yeah. way I could put Keith through having to do world politics and current events ever again. And I can't thank you enough. Feel <laughs> free to burn that sheet. Keith, nice job on doing the 1992 uh, technology. Uh, it was a fun year to review. It's amazing what, what we learn in each of these years. And, and, it's and crazy. Uh, to have a jump four years later from 1988 technology, see how much things changed in just four years is just you know, amazing. So, uh, everything's changed, but the prices. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. So, so thank you for that. Uh, Hey, everybody, please uh, tune in next week for, uh, uh, 1992 sports and, uh, let, uh, hear Noel talk about how Larry Bird led the dream team to, uh, <laughs> <laughs> to the gold medal. I can't wait for us to talk about that. Yeah. His name might come up. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, well, everybody have a great day. Thanks for listening. Please download as many every single episode you listen to we appreciate it, it helps us out and helps us uh, get get the uh, attention that our podcast would love to have so everybody have a great day and we'll see you all next time soon see you everybody thanks for listening to the Wayback chronicles all shows are written and produced by noel 
Keith and Steve. Massive thanks to those who made these memories possible for us through the years. All songs, sounds, and effects have been attributed in the comments section and through links listed on waybackchronicles.podbean.com. We look forward to taking you way back again in the very near future.